Hello everyone, welcome to Volume 5, Issue 245, Amnesia, The Dark Descent. But before we launch into this game, play along with Kane and Rince Volume 5. Some upcoming issues include Fallout New Vegas, Metropolis Street Racer, MDK, The Legend of Zelda Phantom Hourglass, and Bloodborne. And that pretty much wraps up Volume 5, so I hope Tony and Leon are behind the scenes coming up with uh, more shows, because uh, we won't have very much to advertise in future issues otherwise. Um, so head over to caneandrince.com for articles, features, reviews, and links to our forum, Facebook, and YouTube channel. If you enjoy what we do, support us via our Patreon account. Um, we don't have any hidden content, we don't hide anything behind paywalls, it's just there if you feel like giving a little bit back. Um, if you don't want to contribute, that's fine, the podcast will still be available to everyone, but if you want to give something back to us, it's there for you to contribute. But if you want to get some merchandise for your money, instead, um, you can go over to our merchandise store, which you can find the uh, link to on our website. And please check out our other video game podcast, Sound of Play. Um, it's not quite as popular as uh, this this podcast, but uh, the listeners are increasing with every issue, so please give that one a listen. It's definitely worth your time if you love Canaan Rents. So, uh, joining me, Joshua Garrity, on this issue is Sean O'Brien. Hello, hello. Leah, hey, do. Splash, splash, splash. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, <laughs> and special guest, Simon Cole. I can't really follow that. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Amnesia The Dark Descent, released in 2010 and developed by Frictional Games, is a first-person stealth horror game inspired by Lovecraftian fiction and other classic horror literature. Um, but before we kind of talk about our histories of Amnesia The Dark Descent, I just wanted to check to see if anyone on the panel had um, experienced some of uh, Frictional's earlier work in the Penumbra series. Mm -hmm. It's not as well known, but um, it's, I do think it's important to, to talk about um, these games because I'm not sure we'll end <clears throat> up covering them um, in the main podcast at any point. Um, I played them after I played Amnesia. Right. How did you feel? I enjoyed them. I kind of feel, having just finished Soma, that what they're trying to do has matured over the years, and I kind of felt with mm. Penumbra, um, it kind of felt fairly flimsy compared to their later games. Mm. Um, I didn't think things were as well-developed as in Amnesia and going on to Soma recently. Um, I don't know. How, what did you think, Josh? Um, I haven't played it, but I believe Leah was about to say something. All right, okay. So that's pretty much what I was going to say. I have not actually played them, but I have watched a little bit of video, and yeah. it, it does just kind of feel like an earlier, kind of almost a draft version of some of the ideas that they would later mm. kind of develop in this and, and later on as well. Mm. I think that um, one thing I did notice is they obviously had a real sense of how to inject atmosphere into their games, even if mm. everything else wasn't quite on point just yet. Um, I think if you yeah. think if you enjoyed Amnesia and enjoyed some of their other games, they're well worth checking out because they 
you know, mm. they're very cheap on Steam at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one thing I know, I think I haven't played it either, but I know one thing that's of note that's uh, different from both Amnesia and Soma is that in Penumbra you can actually defend yourself, mm. um, which I know, and obviously in Amnesia and Soma there's not there's no chance. <laughs> So let's uh, go into our histories with uh, Amnesia. Um, we, Simon, you've kind of given us an idea already, so let's let's start with you. Uh, well, I'm a big survival horror fan. Um, I think my first sort of taste of it was um, Alone in the Dark back in 1992 when I was a teenager. Um, and then I was obviously a big console player rather than a PC gamer and mm. got into you know your Resident Evil and a lot of the survival horror games that were on ps2 siren um silent mm. hill the, the usual culprits basically um and and then i think i got to a point where i really enjoyed resident evil 4 i loved it in actual fact and then resident evil 5 was a real crushing disappointment and i kind of drifted <laughs> away from the survival horror genre um mm. because things had become a bit more action orientated um which Resi Force done brilliantly, but after that, I think it went too much the other way. Um, mm-hmm. And then around the time Amnesia came out, I got a, a PC that was that could just about handle these type of games. Um, and I'd heard a few things about Penumbra and what PC developers were doing in the horror genre. Uh, so I thought I'd check this out. You know, it doesn't um, take a, a lot of um, your PC, a lot of your PC's resources, so it's quite easy to play on a you know a duff PC like mine was at the time. Um, and yeah, I uh, it, it really made me re-engage with the genre, and I think it's um, I will probably come onto this. I think it's been quite influential. If you look at the sort of the titles that have popped <laughs> over the last couple of years, I think it's yeah. well, yeah. it's quite a seminal game. Yeah, Leah. Yeah, so I um. I'm big into horror in most genres. Um, I watch a lot of horror movies. I read a lot of books that are along those lines. And uh, when I have the opportunity, I do enjoy horror games. And uh, I, uh, like like Simon, honestly, was uh, a, mostly a, a uh, console gamer uh, and, and still am, really. Uh, my PC is not particularly great, but since this isn't a super resource-intensive game, I was able to pick it up. Uh, not immediately on launch. Um, it was it was maybe a year or so after that. I played I played it. It, it was probably one of those things that I tend to do with Steam, um, where I buy everything because it's like oh a dollar and then just stuff it away. But uh, I played it somewhere in between when it came out and when uh, the sequel was was uh, really announced, and um, I love it. So um, it's it's difficult. Uh, for me, at least, to find, particularly in movies and games, not not so much with books, those tend to be more effective with me, but um, in more visual media, it is difficult for me to find something that is genuinely scary mm. and that genuinely affects me. I don't know whether that's just me and my temperament or whether it's just because I've seen and read so much already, but uh, this this really did it for me. So uh, I, I uh, enjoyed it then and I am continuing to enjoy it now. Sean. Um, similar story. Uh, really big horror fan. Um, also mostly a console gamer. So at launch, I I didn't even honestly didn't even know about this game until uh, probably about a year later when like I started paying more attention to the YouTube like React videos. Um, 
and that's like I saw like a whole bunch of them specifically for this game because of course that's where that's where probably this game kind of blew up you know just so many uh hilarious you know well it's we're a bit overdone with it now but like back then you know reaction videos for amnesia were I thought were pretty fun so I was aware of the game after that but I still didn't have a PC that could play them so uh this will be kind of embarrassing but, but um I there was a deal going on around 2012 for the on live console. Remember that thing? Oh, <laughs> gosh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So they had like, it was like 50 bucks. You get that and you got a copy of Darksiders too. And I was, I was like, all right, fine. I'll get that. So I bought that. And um, I saw Amnesia was on the store there. You could stream it for, it was like three bucks or something like that. So I was like, okay, fine. I, you know, I've, I've seen the videos. They look great. And uh, that was my first time playing through it. I played through it in about like a couple days or so. <laughs> Through the on live streaming service. So. Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, so for me, um, this is a case similar to um, Alien Isolation, where I did buy it close to launch, and then it just stood in my uh, Steam library for years, much longer than Alien Isolation ended up mm. staying there. Um, this has been in my Steam library for God knows how long. Um, I played the first half an hour of it um, way back when and just found it so scary that I had to stop playing. <laughs> yeah. And and this is another case where I kind of needed this podcast to exist <laughs> to uh, force me through the experience. Yeah. Um, so I, I come at this game from a, an interesting perspective in that I've kind of played um, some of the key... Um, progeny of this game mm -hmm. um, with yeah. uh, Alien Isolation and Soma um, mm -hmm. coming to mind before having played this one mm -hmm. um, and I was slightly afraid because one of my I, I adore Soma but I think um, where it indulges in philosophical horror is when it's at its strongest yeah. and when it kind of indulges in more traditional horror it's much weaker so i went into this thinking ah oh god is this going to be focusing on my least favorite mm -hmm. aspect of soma but it turns out because amnesia is actually laser focused on that particular <laughs> yeah. kind of horror it's much more um successful um as we'll talk about later on um it, it is important to note how successful amnesia the dark descent was mm -hmm. because um looking back this this game was a phenomenon um the the Looking at the sales on Steam, it's it's well over three million copies sold. Um, there are so many videos on YouTube, mm -hmm. so many Let's Plays. Um, there, this game was streamed a lot during the time, and and this this game kind of started that trend in a lot of ways. I think that, that you know, the games like um, you know Five Nights at Freddy's and and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, yeah. I think are really benefiting from the legacy that mm -hmm. this game allowed to happen. Um and I and I think what Simon said is correct. Like ultimately this this game has gone on to be hugely influential. Mm -hmm. Um we've already talked about Soma and um Alien Isolation, but there's also stuff like Outlast, yep. uh, Slender, mm -hmm. um so many other titles that have uh, you know penetrated the popular consciousness that have been directly influenced by this title and its approach to um, 
non-combative, uh, you know, stealth mm. and horror. Um, so let's let's just dive straight into it. Um, so the scenario and setup. It is set in eighteen thirty-nine. You wake up in a mysterious castle. You find a note that says, kill Alexander. And all you know is that this dark presence is stalking you and following you um, as you go through the castle's uh, hallways. So first impressions, like what, when opening up this game and, um, and waking up as Daniel, uh, who's, the, who's the main protagonist of this game, waking up mm. as Daniel, what are your first thoughts when playing this? Um, si- let's start with Simon. The first thing that struck me was how claustrophobic it feels. Um, uh, I, going back to my background with these type of games, being console gamer, and I was quite used to playing these games in third person, um, mm. and suddenly... I was thrown into first-person perspective, and it just really did take my breath away how much more frightening games are, horror games are, when you're in first person. Mm. Um, and it it was it's a, such a dark game as well. There's such little light about. Um, I felt it really oppressive. Um, the whole concept of waking up, um, not knowing who you are, is quite common. <laughs> quite a familiar thing to me being a big JRPG player so it's yeah. quite interesting to <laughs> yeah. see it in a in a in a horror from a horror perspective um and I was just really struck by that much sort of intrigue there was like you know who's Alexander where am I what am I doing um and, but that is, it was just so oppressive and, I, and when when you start the game it tells you that it's best played uh, with the lights out and headphones on so I was sat there with my headphones on no lights on and my oh, film heart pounding within about yeah. 30 seconds and I thought this is going to be intense. Sure. I don't, I don't know. Like for me, it, it took a little while for me to really settle in with it because the first couple scares, I, if I remember correctly, are just kind of like doors swinging open, mm-hmm. um, glass breaking in another room, you know, like a little jump scary. And yeah. I was kind of like, ah, uh, you know, after seeing all those videos, like I guess I kind of knew to expect it because you know, a lot of those YouTube videos are based off of, you know, people reacting and jumping and everything. So I, I knew to expect that, but I don't know. I was ex- I was kind of hoping for a little bit something more cerebral, which I would say not to jump ahead, but it, it certainly goes cerebral. Um, but I I don't know. My first impressions were a little, um, I guess, a little down just, just from those uh, little kind of weak scares to me. And I thought like visually, I know it was an indie game, but uh, visually it kind of wasn't really doing much for me at at the opening at least i eventually got used to it and appreciate it a little more now that i've seen the whole thing as a cohesive you know game but it's just at first i was a little disappointed i guess yeah yeah so uh i actually have kind of a funny story about the first time that i played amnesia i um i actually had to mess with some settings on my computer and i don't remember exactly what it was but the first time i turned the game on all of the menus and everything looked normal but then when the game actually starts and you wake up it was just black and i could see like the little targeting the the tiny little (laughs) dot in the middle of the screen but i didn't know i thought maybe it was supposed to be dark because you're supposed to be kind of fumbling around and finding your way to your sound so i didn't know that i was supposed to be seeing something so i fumbled around for maybe like it was longer than it should have been. It was maybe like five or ten minutes. And then I went, okay, well, this doesn't seem right. So I I, I went to uh, 
um, to Google and, and found out that that's not an uncommon problem. So I, I was able to fix it pretty quickly, but uh, it was pretty funny. Uh, but uh, when I actually started the game for real, um, I, I, I did... The sound, I think, is probably, and I know we're going to talk about this in depth, but that's that's mm-hmm. probably one of the first things for me that really got me into it. The first time I played, I did not play it with headphones, and um, this latest time around, I did, and if... If for whatever reason you haven't played this game and you're gonna, or if you're gonna play it again, definitely go for the headphones. Mm. Um, I'm still not sure that I could play it in the dark. I never have, but um, <laughs> but the headphones, um, th- the sound in this game is just so good, and it yeah, lends yeah. so much to making yeah. it feel mm. oppressive and creepy and and just putting you in there. That uh, that that I think that that was really one of the first things that struck me. Yeah, and and for me too. Um, I I kind of agree with Sean's comment um, earlier about the visuals in the game. I think um, you can tell that this this game was made on a limited budget, as it Mm -hmm. was. Mm -hmm. Um, But the sound design totally makes up for the uh, lack of visual fidelity, because at all moments... I felt like there was some presence in the room mm-hmm. with me or in the next room or or just <laughs> that the, the space I was inhabiting was living in a way that um, I can't really describe, um, but just this, this constant sense of being pursued even when you know as a player yeah, that actually no nothing mm-hmm. nothing could happen to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's the, the, kind of the audio equivalent of like even when you can't see somebody who's in the house or the apartment with you, yeah. you can <laughs> kind of tell when somebody else is there. Yeah. That's uh, that's what I was thinking of. <laughs> yeah, it does that. Yeah, exactly. it, it does that whole um, sort of Lovecraft, Lovecraftian miasmic horror thing where it's something sort of just in the corner of your eye, but you can't quite... Yeah. Mm-hmm. see it mm-hmm. uh, but you're yeah. just aware of that presence even though it's not necessarily tangible visually um mm-hmm. but uh yeah i th- i thought that was magical you said how like the the sound um it improves the atmosphere i think that yeah. made me forget about the visuals really because yeah i had to, totally. absolutely yeah i had a quick quick go on it earlier on the day and um i was again this does look really ropey but, but yeah the um it's I've not really experienced that many other games as well, talking about the sound, where I actually felt mm. like I was in that person's head because like, there's that yeah. constant sort of sound of him breathing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, that it really puts you on edge. I, I have to say, initially, I was not very impressed with the, the story ambitions of the game early on. Mm. Um, amnesia is a horrible trope in yeah. storytelling. Mm-hmm. And um, I know the game's called Amnesia, but still, at the same time, you're thinking, oh, okay. Now, that that being said, and I'm sure we'll get onto it, I think the game does a good job of actually justifying that, exactly, uh, yeah. that, that use of that mm-hmm. trope. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, it doesn't bother me now. But um, have, being armed with so little information uh, yeah. and knowing that um, there were some key players in the story that just knew stuff that the player should know but conveniently didn't was <laughs> yeah. a little bit aggravating until I got kind of a full picture. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But um, let, let's talk a li- little bit about the insanity system because I think that will allow us to kind of um, branch off into other aspects of the game. Mm. So what what makes this game unique as opposed to um, other uh, stealth horror games um, of this ilk is that you have a sanity system that will go up and down based on your interactions with the world. Um, Most notably, um, your sanity depletes the longer you spend in completely dark environments. And the way to kind of stabilize your sanity is either by using the oil lantern you have, which has a limited amount of oil, that it has access to at any given time or by using um, little tinder boxes to light candles or lanterns or what have you, um, which are also limited um, as well. You have to Mm. find them in the environment. Um, Other things that can, uh, you know, lower your uh, sanity levels are just scary things happening that you have no (laughs) control over. Um, how did we all feel about this system and and how it informs on other parts of the game? Mm. Yeah, no, I I loved it. I'm I'm a sucker for games with this kind of system. Mm. Um, and I I'll I'll go ahead and be the first one to say Eternal Darkness. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I know I know that was uh considerably considerably prior to this, but I can't really think of a whole lot of games in between that did something quite like this. Mm-hmm. Um, now this is a little less um. I guess for lack of a better words, it can be than Eternal Darkness. It doesn't play games with, like, telling you your computer has crashed. This is all things that are happening to the player uh, or to the, the main character. Um, so when when something happens, it's how Daniel is directly being affected, not necessarily how you as the player are. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, ultimately it is you as the player because you are Daniel, but um, it's, it's, it's less... Um, it it feels more genuine as a way to show that the protagonist himself is the one that's experiencing these events. Mm-hmm. And I in particular liked that you can't look at the monsters for too long or they will drive you crazy. Mm-hmm. That's that's a very Lovecraftian thing. Yeah, and yeah, you know, take a shot every time we mention Lovecraft. But yeah, uh, know, right? but it's true, you know, it's well I mean they're they're definitely going for that. So of I course, I mean yeah. and they yeah, and they yeah. do a great job. So I, I yeah. think it should be noted. Um uh, but yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed that and it um it, it lends definitely more of a sense of of urgency and tension that if your lantern is running out you can't really stick around in the dark for too long mm-hmm. uh and you kind of have to run into the light and stare at some fire for a while in order <laughs> to not go insane yeah. and when you're trying to escape from monsters you're really caught just at a crossroads because either you can stay in the dark where they can't see you as well right. but then you can't look at them and you can't stay in the dark for too long because you might go incredibly crazy and pass out and then you're going to be there for the monsters if they do wander over there mm-hmm. but if you're in the light then you have the opposite problem because then they can see you and you yeah. still can't look at them so it's <laughs> it's just it's super it's really really balanced uh risk reward is a thing yeah. that you have to pay attention to at mm-hmm. all times and that never lets up which i think is why this the atmosphere is so effective yeah i really like how the um the sanity affects your gameplay if you let it get too deep, um, like how it messes with your controls. I appreciate that doesn't make it go like, you know, backwards or anything like up and down, left and right, but like how it just, if you get too insane, I guess would be the word, um, how the camera will just kind of sway left, almost like you turn your sensitivity like way down or something like that. Yeah. 
I think that's a pretty neat idea. And it's it's something that I think they took from, or at least got inspiration from, uh, is this game called Call of Cthulhu, Dark Corners of the mm-hmm. Earth, um, which came out some like a few years, I think, before this one. It was a pretty similar kind of thing. Like if, he, if you see upsetting things in the world, he'll start going crazier and crazier. And if you let him get too crazy, he kills himself, which is kind of a little extreme. But um, it's cool to see. It's weird that this doesn't seem, I haven't seen it really in too many horror games you know you think like you know in most horror games if you'd see something like a monster you'd probably go nuts but these guys you know in most games just you end up just shooting them until they're dead yeah um, so i kind of it's kind of a neat idea the the closest i can think of and i i don't think it's anywhere near as successful is the uh frenzy system in bloodborne yeah. it's kind mm-hmm. of trying to go for the same thing but because it's ultimately just a meter that fills exactly, up and then you yeah. die, it just <laughs> yeah. doesn't have the same impact. Mm-mm. This might be a good time to mention, I don't think that we have yet, that um, you cannot fight back at all against these yeah. monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that that's another thing that, that really drives up that tension, is when you are hiding from them, if they find you, you're just screwed. Like, you can't do anything. <laughs> you could yeah. throw a book at them, I guess, if you yeah. really want to. <laughs> yeah. I, think it's hand- I think it's handy, though, that this thing where you can't look at them for too long it does help the developers in the fact that the monsters aren't particularly impressive anyway yeah um, <laughs> yeah. yeah i yeah. think it's quite convenient for them although you know it's it's nifty at the same time um yeah one of the things i found with this is that it does it's at its best and this is the same with uh, with soma as well it's when you don't see the baddies it's or the yeah. monsters. Yeah. it's that yeah feeling of dread thinking you you're mm-hmm. going to see them in the next you know they're just going to turn around the corner and you'll see them. Um, as soon as they appear on screen, it loses a bit of its potency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's the thing. Like th- across horror in general, you know, it's just, you know, it's it's different for every person. But I think most people tend to agree that the scariest stuff is the stuff you can't see. And yeah. this yeah. game plays on that like tremendously. Yeah, and yeah. the scariest um, monster in the whole thing is invisible. So yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, this is, I think this is the problem with any kind of. Uh, visual horror media is that it's never going to trump your own imagination which is what exactly we say yeah. about books mm-hmm. are the thing that really scare you it's because nothing frightens you more than your own imagination right yeah yeah you know going back to the ans- insanity system for a little bit um uh what what i really love about it is that um my favorite examples of horror are when the creature or monster or threat is combined with an environment that's threatening. Mm. So I'm thinking Mm. of stuff like Alien, where they're trapped on a spaceship and the Mm. void of space is surrounding them, or The Thing, where they're in, you know, an Arctic environment. And, um, you know, if they're outside for too long, they'll freeze to death. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Having the darkness itself be a threatening force in this game that can Mm -hmm. ultimately lead to your failure um, kind of created that dynamic mechanically um, in a video game Mm -hmm. because... I, I don't think I've really, you know, someone correct me if I'm wrong, but I haven't really encountered a game before that really recreated that dynamic between the monster and its environment quite mm. as effectively as this. Mm. Um, I, I think Soma, I, I think there was an opportunity to do with do that with Soma, given where that game is set, but ultimately it doesn't do that. 
um, based on revelations that I can't talk about on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. um, but just that constant, just being constantly aware of something other than the monster, something different from the monster, mm-hmm. and having to manage resources specifically mm-hmm. for your environment and not the creature was uh, a clever, a clever mm-hmm. dynamic to create in the game yeah. and allowed them to create tension even exactly. when there yeah. wasn't a threat. Yeah, the constant pressure was almost scarier than the sequences, the chase sequences, mm. or something like that. Just you're yeah. you're always feeling threatened, and that's something that most horror games uh, fail to do. Honestly, it's just they they go for yeah. the the shock scares, and this one is just throughout from start to finish, you're always uh, afraid you're gonna die, and that's yeah pretty effective for a horror game. Yeah, we've we've been pretty. Um mean towards the visuals in this game but Mm. one thing i will say is that the insanity system and and we've kind of talked about this already shows off how good these guys are are at composing shots even if um the actual fidelity of the images they're creating creating isn't quite up to Mm -hmm. up to par with what was going on at the time just the introduction in the the introduction of the the grunt when you pick up that vial and you look behind you and it's just this misty figure in the background mm-hmm. it's fantastic yeah and yeah. just the way the the ansa- insanity system distorts your sight mm-hmm. and um the bugs that crawl over the screen and, <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that, that where they kind of fall down in visual fidelity, they completely make, make up for it in uh, visual mm-hmm. composition. I yeah. think mm-hmm. yeah. let's get, let's talk about the monsters because I mm-hmm. think we're all desperate to talk about the monsters. Um, <laughs> there's kind of three key types of creature. Um, the grunt is the first one you're introduced to. Um, he's just kind of a big Frankenstein-style monster who can swipe you a couple of times before killing you. So it is possible to just kind of run away and hide mm-hmm. if and suffer a few in- injuries. Um, the Brute is a kind of more lethal variant of the Grunt. He has like this big metal weapon on one mm-hmm. of his arms, and he's a one-hit, one-kill um, I want to save the star of the show for later, but um, what what do you guys feel about these these particular monsters and encounters with these two guys? Oh, the first time I saw them, I I lost my mind. Like I, I mean, um, and I I don't know if that's so much to do with their visual appearance as it is with the sound that plays whenever a monster is near. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, I I can't I can't fault them for that first impression of of being terrified. Um, uh, the brute, I really didn't see that often. I only saw him once on my most recent playthrough, like, uh, like really late in the game too. So I, I, the the actual like, if you take a look at it, like just pictures on the internet, it's like really gross looking. It's like its heads all split open with teeth all over the inside of its head. It's disgusting, um, but very uh, uh, effective, I think. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Um, it it I think it's interesting that there are so few types of monsters Mm -hmm. like if if you look at a lot of other horror games and by no means all but uh, for instance like a silent hill or something like that then you're gonna see a a greater variety Mm -hmm. instead of just having you know these these two main types and one that that um like sean was saying i i don't think i ever saw him more than maybe once or twice either the brute Mm -hmm. um but it's 
it's still so effective because they build it up even when they're not there so much yeah. and they're so threatening yeah. that even if you see one across a room and he doesn't know you're there, yeah. it's still like, oh, oh, crap, oh, crap, oh, crap, oh, crap. <laughs> Got to make sure that you don't actually run into him. Uh, yeah. I had a lot of those experiences where it was, you know, you, they're not even after you. They're just kind of up in the other corner and you can mm -hmm. hear them and the the music is, is kind of going to the point where you know you're in danger and he's breathing hard and your sanity's yeah. down and it, yeah. It's it's very uh, very anxiety inducing in that way. Well, I, I think what was a big factor for me was knowing that um, just staring at these creatures could possibly mm -hmm. alert them to my presence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not being able to look at this creature for any uh, amount of time mm -hmm. um, was because at least in Alien Isolation. Um, as threatening as that creature was, and, and in some ways is far more deadly just because of the AI that that game right, implements. Yeah. The fact that I could keep an eye on it at all mm -hmm. times mm -hmm. meant that I had some kind of knowledge of the creature's whereabouts mm -hmm. and etc. Yeah. etc. Et whereas, whereas with this, you're actively encouraged not to look at these monsters, mm -hmm. otherwise, you'll go insane and they might just turn around and start chasing <laughs> you. Yeah. It's really effective. And another thing that I, I wasn't expecting in this game um, because of my experience with Soma, but I really appreciated that hiding actually kind of led to them kind of disappearing yeah. off the map. Yeah. Um, I was worried that there was going to be these, um, you know, paths they yep. take, yep. you know, patrolling back and forth. Like any other stealth of, game. Yeah. yeah, which kind of ended up being the case in um, Soma. Mm. Um but in this case, as long as you're a, an effective hider, you, encounters with these guys are relatively easy, actually, yep. I found. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of my biggest surprise with this game overall, is how relatively um, ease of use it is compared to uh, its progeny. Yeah. Um, but still it still manages to <laughs> instill so much fear in spite mm -hmm. of that. Um, yeah, and again, the use of music. Um, yeah, that's perfect. Using music to give the player feedback about what's going on. Mm -hmm. So you immediately know a monster is near you, even mm -hmm. before you hear his growl or what have you. You could just mm -hmm. hear the change in the music, and mm -hmm. it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and unlike, um, unlike Alien... Um, I wasn't always sure when the monster was gone because it seemed yeah. like the music wouldn't let up until I checked to investigate. Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh, right, no, he is gone, <laughs> so now we're going to introduce the karma music. It's yeah. a subtle touch. Um, I don't know if that was deliberate or not or it, it was just coincidence for me, mm. but um, having that music kind of hold back on telling me, you know, everything's clear mm -hmm. meant that, I was staying in hiding spots maybe a little bit longer than I should have done. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it's it, what's interesting about it is that in, there are plenty of sequences where there aren't monsters at all, and in those sequences, there's pretty much no music at all. It's just you and the environment that yeah. you're hearing. But any um, of the areas where there are monsters, there's at least like a little bit of uh, like a lower tone of music happening, and yeah. so that when the monsters appear, like. The, the music just kind of kicks in a little bit louder and the drums start 
start like boom, 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 you know, like that kind of thing. And just so that it makes you more aware of it. But that's how you were saying, like, you weren't entirely sure when they were gone is because like the music came down, but it was still there. And that's yeah. just kind of keeping you still on your edge. Like, you know, it could come back, but you know, after playing it, you'll realize it probably won't come back, but there's just that constant threat and that the music really uh, inspires. Right. Um, in terms of monsters, I think we've saved the uh, fan favorite till mm -hmm. last. Um, the Kernick. Um, this is an invisible creature that you encounter in areas with uh, large bodies of shallow water uh, with various um, boxes or platforms for you to stand on. Um, it's invisible. All you can see is the splashes it makes in the water. And it is one of the most terrifying creatures <laughs> I have yeah. ever encountered in a video <laughs> game. Mm -hmm. Anyone yes. else? That was by far the, uh, the scariest part of this game, and probably of most games. I, I, I don't want to uh, make a declarative statement and say that this is the scariest thing that I have ever played, uh, that sequence, um, but... I. I'm struggling to think of a uh, something that that had that kind of effect on me in a different game. Yeah. It was it's really tense, and you never really know where that thing is until you put yourself in danger. And then sometimes right, yeah. when you put yourself in danger, it's too late. It's kind of like the experience of the rest of the game, except it's really condensed in <laughs> yeah. this part. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I think I turned the game off a few times when I yeah. got to this point. It's like, no, I need yeah. to go to yeah. bed now. <laughs> <laughs> How can you yeah. go to bed after that? <laughs> oh, the the, the buildup in that sequence is is incredible. The first sequence actually is incredible because it's like you walk into that room, there's that water, and you just hear the splash, and you're like, "Hmm, okay, I don't see anything. <laughs> I'm good." And you keep taking some steps, and then you see like more splashes coming. Like, "Oh my god!" So you do the whole thing where you're, you know, like Mario jumping from from the platform <laughs> to platform, and then uh, and then like right after that sequence something is just chasing you like there's this like that's like the first chase sequence i think is right after you finish that first level with him and then all yeah. of a sudden you're just hearing something behind you you know it's him but if you, you do not turn around <laughs> like, yeah. you yeah, just yeah, take yeah. off and keep going and then ever since and then like there's a couple more times where it can pop up and like yeah. anytime that you're in a, a little shallow water area and you hear a splash now you know that oh god oh no <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think if I was the art, art director for this game, I'd be a bit miffed that the most memorable monster right, is the yeah. invisible one. <laughs> yeah. But the sound designers, they're, they're yeah. celebrating. Um, yeah. I, what I love about this monster is that unlike the, the others, it really doesn't rely on jump scares mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, the scariest moment for me was me standing on a platform, <laughs> like assessing a jump, and then I see it come at like splash, splash, yeah. splash, splash, splash. And it just stops right in front of where I'm about yeah. to jump. And it's like, come on, come on, <laughs> like, come on, carry on. And I'm like, oh my God. And and then the noise it makes when it's eating limbs that you throw yeah, into the water, yeah. it's just so creepy. Um and and I love that they they it keeps popping up as you say, Sean. Like mm -hmm. it, it, you think it's going to be this one and done set piece, right, but yeah. it ends it ends up being a creature that's peppered throughout the game, and it also ends up being the solution of the right, puzzle yeah. <laughs> that yeah. will uh, crop up later on. 
but yeah, I, I, this is you know the big success of the game for me. This creature is so memorable. Um, mm-hmm. It's yeah, I I love this monster. Mm-hmm. So another um, major part of the game mechanically is the puzzle solving aspect of it. Um, much like Silent Hill, you have the survival horror side, and then you have the intricate puzzles. Um, are there any highlights for you guys? Um, the the one thing I wanted to note is how much of these puzzles felt like they were naturally part of the world rather mm-hmm. than kind of abstract yeah. uh, philosophical pieces like um, Silent Hill tends to <laughs> yeah. give you. But um, any any highlights for you guys? I didn't have a whole lot of trouble with any of the puzzles. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I But as you were saying, Josh, I do think that they fit a lot better than, than some horror games or adventure games tend to make their things um uh, in fact in a couple of places i found myself maybe making things a little bit more difficult than i think they needed to be mm. uh the the one that i uh, that sticks out for me is one that um i don't even remember if i had an issue with this the first time i played but i the, my uh, my most recent playthrough it's it's fairly early on when you're finding the ingredients to uh dissolve the uh disgusting fleshy mass mm-hmm. that's kind of blocking off your first route mm-hmm. of progress and i um when you pick up, I believe it's the last piece, you're in a little room and part of the ceiling collapses mm-hmm. and you, you for a moment think that you're trapped. And I guess I had forgotten that all you really need to do is just move the move rubble the out from in front of the door. So <laughs> yeah. I was trying for it. And again, an embarrassingly long time. I, I actually ran my lantern out, but um, I... Uh, I was trying very hard to stack things so that I could jump mm-hmm. up onto the rafters to try and get out that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you kind of get on one of these big rocks, there's a point where it looks like you should be able to grab onto something and you get the little hand icon that signifies, yeah, you know, yeah. you should be able to grab this. So I tried that for a really long time before I went back and went, oh, I guess I just have to move these rocks. Okay, then. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, overall, I did not have a whole lot of uh, problems with the puzzles. Um, and, and they did feel they didn't feel out of place i think they felt Mm. like they should have been there yeah yeah i i didn't think they were particularly memorable puzzles Mm. they kind of felt fairly kind of standard video game fare as far as puzzles go Mm. i think that the the puzzles themselves combined with managing my insanity and the fact that being a a, a, Mm -hmm. you know console gamer i was struggling still struggling with the um, keyboard and mouse controls um Mm. made things a lot harder Plus this general oppressive nature of the the music that's that yeah. sort of like getting its claws into me made things a lot harder mm. than they probably should have been. Mm-hmm. If I go back look now and look at you know if someone wrote down what the puzzles are, I'd be thinking oh, not that great. Um, but <laughs> it was a combination of many things made them seem much more complicated than they should have been. Mm-hmm. Um, I find with I'm a big horror game fan, but I'm a fan in a quite a masochistic manner. Um, I, they completely freak me out, and I find myself stressing out more than I should do a lot of the time, which makes makes figuring out puzzles ten times harder than they should be. <laughs> yeah, for me, um, I didn't really struggle with the puzzles once I was able to actually see them because my biggest problem was that like things weren't lit or highlighted. You know, like I'm a very uh, uh, like a you know as a person who plays games in 2016 like everything is highlighted now every puzzle you come across in any game now is just like it'll be glowing or pulsating or something oh that's what i gotta do i gotta go touch that thing that's where the puzzle is gotcha um 
But for me, like sometimes levers would just or levers would just be like underneath a unlit torch. And I just didn't see the, any of the things that I was supposed to interact with. But once I found the puzzle, I thought most of them were actually pretty easy. But it was just knowing where to start sometimes was a little bit of a struggle. But that's probably just because I'm not really good at puzzles. So it could be that. I, I always love the parts where you had to brew some kind of potion or mm, explosive mm-hmm. or something like that just because um, it kind of tapped into that childish uh, part of my brain where mm-hmm. as a, like a toddler or a young child, I used to make potions out of whatever I could find in the garden. Mm. And it was kind of <laughs> triggering that same kind of <laughs> childlike joy of gathering all these like arcane materials and uh, creating yeah. a tonic out of poison glands and human blood and stuff like Bones, that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I loved all that stuff, but as you say, um, n- none of these are particularly difficult. But yeah. then again, I don't think it would have been um, to the game's benefit if Agreed. any of yeah. these were head scratchers, yeah. yeah. because mm. ultimately, w- what they exist to be is stuff you do yeah. while yeah. the monsters are pursuing you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And if you're stuck there, going, "Well, how the hell does this triangle match with this circle? What?" and <laughs> and then the monster comes up behind. That's just a frustrating yeah, it's experience not fair, yeah. so having these simple activities for you to do while being pursued mm-hmm. I, and having them all be very organic to the environment mm-hmm. you're in most of them are either these potions you have to create the yeah. explosives or just the machinery of the castle yeah um yeah it, it all felt really good and it fitted mm-hmm. well yeah and, and and it's a nice reward having your it you know, pump up your sanity meter too. Um, yeah. Cause it's just, it's, it becomes more than just like an obstacle in your way. It actually helps you mentally. So that's a pretty nice yeah. touch too. You need it. <laughs> yeah. So um, I haven't really need, felt the need to uh, give a spoiler warning um, up until now, mm-hmm. um, but we're coming up on to the latter half of the game. And this is really where all the notes and, and all the, uh, flashbacks and stuff kind of mm. culminate um, but before we kind of talk about the ending um, I think it is worth talking about um, some of the key moments throughout the game mm. um, for me I, I was I was really unsettled by the depiction of torture yeah. <laughs> throughout mm. this game yeah. and when I say depiction you never see it mm-hmm. um, yep. you never see uh, somebody getting violently um, pull, pulled apart or anything like that yeah. again it's the sound design um, yeah. it's um, the audio and the descriptions in the notes that you find yep. and the monologues that Alexander gives of yep. um, you know <laughs> treating these people beyond Mm-hmm. Um, beyond anything that yeah. uh, you can imagine, and then the, you know what what is revealed is that the amnesia potion, which you took um, um, before the start of the game to lose your memory, um, that was the potion that they were using on these torture victims to make them forget yeah. um, la- yet you know yesterday's torture, so that um, today's torture feels just as fresh. It's just, mm-hmm. That's a horrible idea. Mm-hmm. Um, were there any kind of standout kind of flashbacks or moments for you guys that equally unsettled you? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, like towards the end when you're collecting pieces of the orb, you're coming across like all different types of torture rooms. And yeah. um, that's where, like, as you said, the sound effects and the between the, dis- the really like disturbingly descriptive notes that you find there and the sound effects. And again, your imagination, like you can see on the walls in these torture rooms, like old drawing old like paintings and drawings of of versions of the kind of torture that you would imagine was happening in this room but that just you know makes your brain work even harder and and you start picturing that more in your head and there's that one room where it's just like like you said a triangle i think like on a on a podium so like what mm-hmm. were they doing in this room <laughs> like what was that used for like it's just yeah. super nasty and and it's just um again it's your imagination working extra hard to just make it even scarier or just gross you out I, I don't think there are any particular points that really stuck in my head but i don't think the thing that's really stayed with me was how sympathetic it was towards its influences i mean i remember when mm. i was playing through it i was kind of thinking this feels like i'm in the kind of story i'd see in a lovecraft yep. um Absolutely. you know anthology um uh, which I think is something they do really well in their games. I think going on to their later games like Soma, that kind of felt like it was a Philip K. Dick short story. Um, mm-hmm. but I think they're obviously very in tune with the influences that they that they draw upon. Yeah, uh, and it was just that general vibe that I was feeling. I thought this, you know, they're obviously very well read in in yeah, mm-hmm. and they they get it basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but like yeah there weren't that many bits that really stuck in my head that i can really think of it was that general feeling of dread and the um, just how, how well they that they they tuned into this the whole lovecraft vibe mm-hmm. i have to say the the overall narrative didn't really stay with me as much as the moment to moment stuff mm-hmm. so there were the little set pieces like the the iron maiden and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that which are intensely memorable, but mm-hmm. the whole narrative between Alexander and Daniel, where you know, it turns out Alexander Alexander's a being from another world. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert! <laughs> um, and um, he's using this orb. The orb is the kind of MacGuffin of this game, mm-hmm. and um, he's using it to transport himself to uh, another world. Um, and the darkness that uh, is chasing Daniel is chasing him because of this orb. Mm-hmm. And Alexander promised Daniel that all of this torture, all of this stuff that they've been doing together would result in the darkness no longer pursuing Daniel. But then it turns out, no, sorry, Daniel, this is all for me. <laughs> and the reason why Daniel ends up taking that amnesia potion is because he wants to forget all the horrors he committed mm-hmm. um, in mm-hmm. order to, you know, solve this problem. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, you realize that Daniel is just as big a jerk yeah. as Alexander is. Yeah. And I do think that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I just wish it was fleshed out a little bit more because i felt like the narrative kind of rushed um much like this podcast all of the narrative (laughs) is kind of rushed at the very very end and Mm -hmm. explained really quickly yeah and i wasn't really i didn't have a huge grip on what was going on or or the motivations of Mm -hmm. the characters until i did the research before this podcast yeah i'm I'm wondering is it the the story and the writing or the actual vocal performances do you think might have turned you off they're terrible they're terrible yeah, they're, not, yeah, they're not they're not good especially alexander <laughs> yeah. like he's very 
over the top and like there's no way if, and, if anyone talked to you like that exactly like dracula if anyone talked to you like that you'd be like nope you're a creep i'm out like goodbye <laughs> <laughs> but he's like hello daniel welcome to the castle <laughs> you know it's just so over the top and and what sucks is it's a bit sort of hammer horrors yeah yeah and and, and it sucks because it kind of like takes you out of the really disturbing nature of the of the environment and the notes that you read like the actual yeah. words that they're saying in the notes that you read are really like well written and disturbing, and I think the as you said the, that how Daniel turns out to be, you know, just as evil in a way, uh, I think is a neat little again Lovecraftian twist that you know you're you're with this protagonist the whole time and you find out that he's got this big dark history and they try yeah. with Alexander and some of the notes that you find from him towards the end to like make you like him I guess a little bit like he's there's some note where he's clearly writing writing to like a lover of his. Saying, well, you know, I'll be with you soon, and so you're like, you kind of see a little bit of motivation there, but it's a little, as you said, it's kind of thrown together at the end. And again, the performances all the way through kind of are not too hot. Yeah, I think that kind of goes back to what we've been saying about how the stuff that you don't see is definitely scarier and more affecting than the things that you do. I it, mm. if. I almost think that this game would have been better if they just didn't have the voice acting. Mm. If they had yeah. just mm. had yeah. the the things that you read and the things that you find, and mm-hmm. uh, and I mean, I I don't think that it ruins it by any stretch. But mm-hmm. for example, I think that if they had vividly shown these torture scenes, I think it would have ruined it. I don't yeah. I don't yeah, think yeah. that that was so, totally. is something that this game yeah. really could have supported, mm-hmm. um, partially because the graphics are not. I mean, I, I don't think they're bad. I, they didn't take anything away from the experience yeah, for me. Yeah. But if they had tried to show these kinds of things mm-hmm. with the technology that they were working with, I don't think it would have been effective enough to yeah. to, to to overcome what you can just imagine from seeing yeah. something horrible sitting in the middle of a room that has clearly been used before. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think one bit I do remember, th- I said, okay, this is not great, was at the end where um, Alexander's having a bit of a rant and you're running around tipping over his things. <laughs> yeah. He's going, oh, don't do that. That's naughty. <laughs> and then goes back to ranting again. stop? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think ultimately this is a limitation of, you know, them being a small studio sure. at the time yeah. and, and not, you know... <laughs> You know, going into Soma, they had so many, you know, so many more resources course, to work yeah. with, and and that kind of, you can see the fruits of that in the mm-hmm. voice acting for that game, which I think is considerably stronger than the voice acting here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like ultimately, Daniel and Alexander are not, you know, the people uh, that you know stick in your memory after this experience. Mm-hmm. It's it's the environment, it's mm-hmm. the creatures that are iconic, not mm-hmm. these characters. Um, th- there is one other character of note that's worth talking about. Um, Ag- is it Agrippa? Agrippa, yeah. Agrippa? Yeah. Um, he's a character that you find strung up uh, on a wall, and he's super nice to you, and all the while <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, there's going to be a twist where this guy's secretly the worst, but actually he's the nicest guy in the world. Um, he's, he's, he is the one light in an yeah. otherwise dark world. <laughs> yeah, I liked him. He... Um... Is a, it seems to be a nice twist on the whole like evil German doctor. <laughs> like he's, yeah. you know, he's got that voice and everything is, very, you know, he's that V in every word kind of thing. Um, but he's, I, I thought he was pretty cool and I thought it was kind of it's, 
it's a little uh silly visually i guess but the whole where you have to chop his head off um and then his head is just in your inventory screen <laughs> was yeah, kind of weird but silly. also kind of grim but yeah it's just it was a little weird but i enjoyed him as a character yeah and it was always a little bit of relief hearing him talk and, and be so kind of his vo- vocal performance was probably the best of the three but he was kind of chipper even though he's strung up on the wall and his jaw was ripped <laughs> off like it's a little weird but i liked him it, it is worth noting that he's based on a real life person who um researched the occult famously and wrote mm. several books on uh the philosophy of the occult so they're they're drawing from uh mm. Uh, historical interpretation with that character, mm-hmm. which is really cool to see. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's left really to talk about is the endings. Um, there are three endings, um, and I don't think any of them are particularly memorable, if yeah. I'm being, uh, being blunt. Um, there's the good ending where if you manage to create a tonic for a Agrippa, um, you chop off his head you take his head into the chamber alexandra is like oh my plan has come to fruition and blah 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 and then he opens a portal and then you stick his head on there and apparently it all his plan gets messed up by his head um which is (laughs) great um there's the normal ending where you just start wrecking the entire room by pulling down the the pillars mm-hmm. that are charging the the uh, portal um and that results in alexander dying and you walking away mm-hmm. um knowing that you've committed some of the worst crimes against humanity <laughs> yeah. um and then there's the bad ending where you just let alexander do what he wants to do he goes into his uh, of a world and you get swallowed by the darkness mm-hmm. um any thoughts on these endings um i i wasn't particularly impressed to be honest yeah yeah it's, it kind of just farts its way to the end um but i, <laughs> yeah. I think the uh but i think of the three the one where you put agrippa's head in there and you both die is kind of probably the most uh, appropriate i guess yeah. in my head yeah, yeah. it's the only one that like makes sense as an ending even though it gives you this like little brief glimpse of like hope that Agrippa is talking to. I think Johan in whatever afterlife there is, and he's like, "Just save him. It'll be. Don't worry." He's like, "I think literally the last line is like, don't worry, Daniel. Everything's gonna be fine.'" And then the credits <laughs> hit, and you're like, Eesh. But the other two endings, I think, are just kind of lame. But that one's just I don't know the most acceptable to me. Apparently, I was doing a little bit of reading, and and apparently there is a a fourth ending where if you stay in the cell towards the end, eventually everything will just kind of come and overtake you and you die anyway. Um, oh, wow. Similar okay. to the bad ending, except in the cell well before. And if I, I haven't done this, but um, if uh, apparently it takes a while, like a long time, like you have to sit oh, there for okay. 15 or 20 minutes, but um, <laughs> if you do, then you, you technically cool. can end the game there. <laughs> so uh, I thought that was kind of interesting too. Yeah, it's a neat little thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the thing that this lacked that um, I think Soma did and some of the other games is it, when it finished, it didn't have me mulling anything over. Nothing sort of mm, stayed with yeah. me. It was like, oh right, that was that was a fun experience. I really liked the vibe, yeah. the atmosphere, etc. There was nothing that was like, as in Soma, it was like I was 
pondering that for about a week afterwards. Mm-hmm. Whereas this was kind of like, right, that was a means to an end and I can move on to the next <clears throat> thing now. Yeah. Well, I think that kind of speaks to um, the the fact that the strong points of this game, and, and it seems like we we pretty much agree on this, are that are not really the the storyline behind it. Mm. It's mm-hmm. it's where it is, and it's how it's presented, yeah. Yeah. and yeah. and kind yeah. of the the atmosphere and the feeling that it gives you yeah. when you're playing it. It's not so much. I mean, y- y- they ended the story because you have to end the story, mm-hmm. but that's not that's not really what this is all about. So yeah. I I'm not. It, I'm not surprised, really, that the ending isn't so great. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to say I'm not surprised, but I am disappointed. But I guess that's kind of where this is going. Yeah. Um, so there was also some DLC released for this game um, called uh, Amnesia Justine. Um, Sean is the only one uh, out of the panel who's uh, who's played and completed this. So, Sean, tell us mm. what Justine is all about. Justine is an entirely unrelated... Uh, story um, that uh, fictional games created. They used all the same engine and assets and all that kind of stuff. And and uh, there's some things that they took out. There's no sanity meter this time. Um, and you, I don't think you really ever use the lantern, if I remember correctly. Um, but it's a really short story. It probably only takes about 35 minutes to 40 minutes if you don't die. Um, but it's basically the story of this woman who, uh, similar to the main game, she takes an amnesia potion. Um, she wakes up in this cell and there's a, uh, like a phonograph in the room and she winds it up and there's this woman's voice on there saying like, all right, you you have three trials in front of you that you have to complete and then you'll be allowed out of this, uh, nightmare. And so, uh, she goes through each room and in each room, there's a, a person in a torture device that you can either choose to save or kill. And either way, that lets you through to the next area. So it's kind of like Saw, I guess, in a weird way. That's what I was um, thinking. Yeah, yeah. So like the first room, there's a guy in a bed, and he's got this big spike above him. And you can either just like lower the lever, and it'll just go right through him. And you'll just scream like, no, don't do it, please. And uh, then, you know, the door will open. Or you can um, just stack up a bunch of boxes and get up to the top and open the door that way. And that way you'll let him live. He'll still be trapped or whatever. Um, but so it's just three sequences like that where you're just, uh, you can either choose to kill or, you know, um, not kill, I guess, uh, uh, the people who are in torture devices and sprinkled throughout. There's like one or two new monsters. Actually, I think they're called suitors um, where it's old. They're old lovers of Justine and you find out at the end that the whole time you're playing as this woman that was on the phonographs because she is setting up these torture devices for her own purposes later on. And so like, if you make it all the way through, then you find out, okay, then this whole thing worked and that she can use this later on to torture more people. Um, so it's a nice little twist there. But the other key thing about this is that since it's so short, um, there's no safe system. So it's, and it's one hit kill permadeath. So, uh, if you die, it just like completely exits out of the game. Like doesn't even bring you to the main menu. <laughs> it just totally wow. exits out. Yeah. Um, but again, it's real short and it's easy to play. And it, and it, and it, you know, it's a neat little, neat little twisted story. But it, it doesn't have really any of those like super frightening moments. Um, but it, it's 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 for free and it's a nice little story. So. Okay, it's time to hear from our community. Um, please share with us uh, your thoughts on any upcoming issues via canarince.com slash forum 
or podcast at canaanrince.com, which is our email address. So Ben via email says, Amnesia somewhat passed me by when it was first released in 2010. I was predominantly a console gamer at the time, and so I never really had access to it. However, as the game started to generate some serious buzz online, that's when it started to capture my attention. Toward the end of 2010, Let's Plays and streaming weren't quite so prolific as they are today. It could often take days, weeks, even months for a full run-through of a game to appear on YouTube. Yet it was hard to ignore the plethora of reaction videos of brief clips of gameplay accompanied by terrified screaming. It had gained such infamy online that I had decided to break out of the console ecosystem to see what all the fuss was about. So equipped with a laptop struggling to run it on even mediocre settings, I set out to discover just where the dark descent would take. What I encountered was a gaming experience like no other. Amnesia the Dark Descent brought me into a world that was desperate, disturbing, a constant sense of unease interspersed with brief moments of downright terror. Barely 30 minutes in, I paused the game, heart racing, palm sweaty, and with strong intentions of uninstalling the game and never returning to it. But against my better judgment, I struggled on, and outside of the scares, chases, and bone-chilling set-pieces was a game with an interesting story and enthralling world to explore. And despite my initial impression, I actually started to enjoy Amnesia, if enjoy is the right word. I was able to walk, crawl, sprint, and scream my way to the very end and witness the somewhat off-the-wall ending. It truly did feel like coming to the end of a journey when I finally saw those credits roll. A journey I'm glad I experienced, but one I'm not ready to head out on again. So Lockie from the forum says, I don't play a lot of horror games because they work way too well on me. Being a tiny production from my home country and garnering a lot of attention online, I had to check this one out though. Mind, I did not struggle my way through this alone. I employed the help of two good friends, and we took turns playing the game and spectating. Many shrill screams were heard throughout these sessions, some of them from the game even, until we finally hit the end. I really appreciate the game for what it is. It looks great in its own way, and the sound design is nothing short of exceptional. I even played around a while with the level editor, but had to put it down because it creeped me out too much. I was making my own level, fully aware that no monsters were implemented, and still I was too uncomfortable. I found sound files in the archives that were not in the campaign, too. One ambient track in particular was incredibly unsettling. I'm glad I completed this game, but I'm also glad it's behind me. Now I just have to figure out how to deal with Soma. And finally, uh, the reviewist says, Amnesia the Dark Descent first drew me in with its aesthetic. As a long-time lover of the old Looking Glass Thief games, I have a deep love of creeping round spooky medieval corridors and avoiding the denizens therein. 
So when I heard that Frictional Games, who had made the interesting Penumbra series, had eschewed aliens and snowy bases for a horror game in a castle, I made a beeline for it, and how I cowered and shook. Amnesia is one of the most terrifying gaming experiences I've ever had. Not since my teenage flirtation with System Shock 2 had I been so afraid to turn the next corner in a game. Within the cobweb and fleshy tendril-strewn halls of Castle Brennenburg, I found myself at the mercy of strange sounds, deformed horror, and more often than not, my own imagination. As in retrospect, the vast majority of the game had me jumping at my own shadows and creaking sounds, rather than at a tangible enemy who could hurt me. While all along the mystery of Daniel's fractured memory and the history of the castle and the crimes against nature performed there unfolded at my fingertips. Frictional should be lauded for not only crafting a fantastic game that builds up a brilliant atmosphere of terror, but also creating an experience where the plot, a bit a tad convoluted, captivated as you play. Indeed, Amnesia not only provides a solid example of a horror game, but also proved instrumental in both pointing the direction that horror titles would follow over the next few years, but in fueling the early days of the Let's Play communities online with footage of terrified players. It's not a perfect game, mind you. The engine, while decent, does look a little dated, and the wibbly-wobbly sanity effects get a little irritating after a while when stalking round dimly lit cellars and cisterns. Moreover, the overlapping multi-generational story is far more complicated than it needs to be and isn't really helped too much by the somewhat badly written PDF of short stories Remember that comes in the game's files. It is, however, a genuine classic and a game that never ceases to be scary and without which we'd likely never have had Alien Isolation, the various Slenderman games, Outlast or the fascinating, if flawed sequel, Amnesia, a machine for pigs. Bravo, Frictional. Indeed. Now let's move on to our Twitter feedback with your free word reviews. So let's start with Spencer Saunder, who says, Gosh darn spooky. D. Pooty says, Traumas for life. Matt Lucas says, fantastic, Lovecraftian nightmare. Uh, Catatonic Nally says, play Soma instead. Aw. <laughs> Xavier Fox Shandy says, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> and Zin says, I'm out of here. That just leaves us to uh, summarize our thoughts. Um, I'm going to start this one. Um I went into Amnesia um, having played Soma and having played games like Alien Isolation. And um, I think Soma really affected my expectations of mm. this experience. Um, Soma, in a lot of ways, is the opposite kind of experience to Amnesia. <laughs> so playing that first was kind of misleading. Um, mm. I think Soma's strengths are this game's weaknesses. And Soma's weaknesses are this game's strengths. Um, this game is a lot better at the um, 
the kind of traditional horror that we think of the jump scares the atmosphere the sound effects the the creatures the monsters all of that stuff this is by far one of the most terrifying games i've ever played you know up there with um some of my recent favorites like alien isolation like dead space like silent hill 2 like um, the original Resident Evil. This is a terrifying game. That said, um, I think the experience Soma gave me, um, it stayed with me a lot longer. Um, I, I'm saying this having only completed Amnesia uh, moments before this podcast, <laughs> um, but I, I, I just feel like the events of Amnesia mm-hmm will be stuff that I talk about when people bring up amnesia I'll go wow remember that bit with the the invisible water monster oh my man that was so terrifying mm-hmm. yeah. and there'll be moments I reference but nothing in this game can compare to the existential crisis <laughs> that Soma instilled in its final moments yeah. um I absolutely do recommend um uh, amnesia the dark descent I think it's terrifying and an absolute must for horror fans but i would suggest that you play if you haven't played either amnesia or soma play this game first and then play soma definitely play both because i think both you know they offer very different experiences in terms of the kind of horror they offer up um but ultimately i felt soma um stay it's just it it's gonna linger in my mind a lot longer than this experience mm. sean Man, I was gonna say literally that everything you just said, so I gotta. <laughs> um, but yeah, I entirely agree. Like it's it's it's. Uh, I think it's it still stands out in my mind as as one of the scariest games I've ever played. If not, well, yeah, I, I, it's probably the scariest game I've ever played. Um, because like the sound effects that they employed when being chased by a monster is so intense and terrifying that like even playing it during the day without headphones on with my shade blinds all the way up still like palms sweaty and 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 you know holding on a controller as tight as i can is stuff like that like so many other games have have just never been able to emulate for me and and that's the main reason why I, I absolutely recommend it to everyone and especially if they're into horror games like you kind of can't skip this one and um uh and then yeah absolutely play soma next but i think you know without going into into soma it's just like it's easy for a lot of people to get disappointed because it's it's i think still they're they're pretty different experiences but i think they complement each other in a way but um yeah i'll totally be following frictional from here on like wherever they go i'm i'm, I'm in all the way so yeah highly recommended yeah it's so hard to have a good horror experience, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I couldn't do it. I couldn't make this kind of thing because it's so difficult to know what's going to have an effect on the most people. And it's really easy to fall back and to, to go the almost lazy route and say, okay, well, we're just going to put as much blood and gore in this as possible because mm-hmm. that's scary, right? This doesn't do that and and i think that's part of why i mean there yes there's blood yes there's there's some really disturbing stuff in here but most of it is 
in your mind. The scariest part is the stuff that that it's making you think and what the music and the sound. I know I keep going back to the sound, but I was really, really impressed with the sound, what that's evoking in you. And I think that this probably is also the scariest game that I've ever played. And I, I wouldn't before I would have said that about something like. I don't know, like maybe Eternal Darkness or something like that, but that kind of thing doesn't age as well because it it just it doesn't rely on something like sound that's not going to really show its age as much. The visuals aren't aren't that top notch, and I think that you know five years from now, ten years from now, you might look at it, and if you look at it, say, uh, yeah, this doesn't look that great or or whatever, but. It, still just closing your eyes and listening to it or, you know, just having that experience, I think it's going to hold up for a very long time. Uh, and I have not played Soma yet, um, but I'm definitely going to. I downloaded it a while ago on my PS4, so um, that's... Coming back to uh, to Amnesia has really kind of uh, bumped me up in my desire to go ahead and do that. So uh, I really enjoy this game. I definitely recommend it, um, but maybe play with the lights on unless you're extremely brave. And finally, Simon. Yeah, I think that this game isn't going to stay with you in the same way that Soma does. I don't think it hits that cere- cerebral high point that Soma does. Um but as an exercise in miasmic horror and sustained tension and pragmatic game design, it does a lot of, they do a lot of very little, really. I think it's um, well worth checking out because I think it's an excellent example of all of those things. Um, and even if you don't fancy playing it, if you're a fan of, um, uh, sort of dark ambient music and things like Lost Mord, and Atrium Carceri, definitely check out the soundtrack because it is absolutely exceptional, which is by someone called Miko Tamia, who's a Finnish, mm. Finnish person. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be brief. I, I, I think if you've got any interest in horror games, pl- play it because I think this is an excellent example of how to scare the bejesus out of people. <laughs> <laughs> well, that just leaves me, Josh, to thank Sean, Leah and Simon for joining me on this issue of Cain and Rinse. Next time, in issue 246, we brave the radioactive deserts of the Mojave and try out our luck on the Strip in Fallout New Vegas.